Hello, beloved children of God. I'm Grace Seaman, and you're listening to Catholic in College, a podcast to encourage college students that we're not alone in practicing our faith, even in the midst of a secular college culture. So today, Aaron Verbka is joining me to share his testimony. Fun fact about Aaron, uh, when he was six years old, he got kicked in the face by a camel. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> That's like such a fun, interesting fact to share. <laughs> Yeah, I've noticed that a lot of people's fun facts just have to do with animals, yeah. animal stories. Oh, they're cruel. So. Especially petting zoos. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think the worst can happen in a petting zoo. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, just starting out, why don't you give me, like, a quick summary of what it was like growing up Catholic in your family? Or just, like, yeah, what faith was like growing up for you? No, of course. So, yeah, I was raised in a Catholic family. My parents were both Catholic. So they raised me and all of my siblings, Catholic, going to Sunday Mass. I went to Catholic elementary school. It was called Cathedral of the Risen Christ. Then I went to Pius with you, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I think growing up and, like, having it was, seeing church, I always saw it as such a chore. Like, I, I despise going to church. kind of hated it, if I'm being honest. Like, I would try and get out of it. Um, and even, like, leaving at communion to leave early. I was like, Mom, Dad, can we please leave early? And they're like, no. And I was like, why? Um, and... I think I, there had to be a time I, like, faked being sick so I could just, like, leave community. I don't know why. I just found sitting and being silent and just, like, not listening was just, like, so boring to me. But mm. that was the thing. It's, like, I never listened. I didn't really know what was happening or going on. And kind of went through religion class going up. Um, and I still was starting to get a sense of it, but, like, still not that much. Like, it just didn't really click to me. It didn't find that much importance to me. Um, and I think I got more into high school and I joined the campus ministry team. And that really just kind of, like, opened up a whole other can of worms for me in terms of faith. Like, there's really something going on here. And basically what it was is that campus ministry was, you know, if you've ever been a campus ministry team, it's like you just help other students around the um, high school just get more involved in their faith, basically, by leading things. And I was like, I wanted to do it because I had some good friends in it. I was like, oh, it would be kind of cool if I did it. And I was like, who am I to be leading this or, like, being involved with this where I'm not even, like, that involved in my faith life? Like, I don't even care that much. And so kind of challenged me to kind of take a step forward and um be more involved but also take a step back and look at like how am I living out my life in terms of faith like it's not like I wasn't doing anything like bad I didn't have like a St. Augustine story or anything where I was like ah um and like how this mass conversion it was just like I was so lukewarm and I really wanted to take a step forward so yeah high school was really yeah just like we had these nights called restore and those are really powerful for me and then, you know, getting more into college, I was super, got a lot more involved. Newman Center here is great, so. That's interesting that, like, you just kind of got involved with that as, like, a this is a fun thing that I can do with my friends. And then mm-hmm. realizing the responsibility that came with it that pushed you to be better. Mm-hmm. Was, what were you in charge of, like, on the team? What was I? Uh, I was. I would say I was more like a floater. It's like I would kind of just help with random things. But okay. um, I'm trying to think of like main things is I helped a little bit on the retreat team. And so the thing is, I'd help plan these retreats, but I'd never go to them because I was because the thing is, I was so busy with other things like speech, no, theater, like, cross country. I always thought I was so busy, but I wasn't. Yeah. I just didn't want to go because my attitude going into it was it's kind of the opposite. It was like thinking, I'm all set, I know everything, I can help other people. Kind of. I had to be knocked down at some point and realize, Mm -hmm. like, there is a lot more that you do not know. Yeah, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be honest, like, one of the biggest things I've struggled with, still do, obviously, I think we all do at some point, is, like, pride, is I was so prideful about my faith, like, oh, I know more than other people, even though, like, I wasn't practicing as much, I was very much so that I look like 
I'm practicing more than other people. Mm. I look like I'm going to mass and enjoying it and like really understanding what's happening. I look like I'm active in my theology class and like mm. really taking the words. So I very much looked the part, but I never like, you know, was the part. Um, yeah. That just makes me think of the story of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Were you at um, the Sikh where Father Mike gave his talk on the prodigal son? Which Sikh was that? Was it that, wasn't was last year. It was the year before. The one at Embassy Suites? Yep. Yeah, I was there for that. I remember vividly Father Mike talking about the prodigal son. And for me, I've always related to the older son, mm-hmm. the one who's always been faithful, yeah. as opposed to the prodigal son who's had this, like, who has this major conversion story. Mm-hmm. But Father Mike pointed out within the story, like, neither of the sons actually wanted a relationship with the father. Like, you see the, the, the older son come in at the end and say, Father, like, you, you've done all this for the, my brother. You never once offered any of this to me. Like, he's, he's just, he doesn't want a relationship. He wants the stuff that the father is given. Mm-hmm. And thinks that, like, okay, if, I, if I'm faithful, if I work hard enough, then I will earn the father's love. I will earn whatever he wants to give oh, me. Definitely. Rather than <clears throat> realizing all along, like, the father just loves me and wants me and wants relationships. Yeah, it's like you especially, me. you don't have to earn it. And all the things I remember, like, the older son, I think, was talking about, too, was that he was like, oh, you put the ring on his finger, you gave him, like, the cloak, and you get, like, um, had the fattened calf, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all, those are all more, like, you know, like, materialistic type things. Um, that the son had been longing for, but it's, like, truly this, like, that longing of love and, like, you know, that we all long for. And so he just wanted the love, but where he saw it, it was, like, in a, not the wrong place, but, well, yeah, kind of the wrong place, just, like, a different place that wasn't really the true source of love. Yeah, do you feel like you relate more to the older son and in, like, what ways? Um, I, yeah, I would say I relate more to the older son because I have so many moments of, like, pride where I see, um, I sometimes, I have moments where I feel like I'm trying super hard or, like, I'm putting a lot of effort in. And I see some other people who just may not, not saying they don't try hard. It's just, like, I see some people from only my perspective. I don't know what's going on in their life or how much effort they're putting in. But from my perspective, I see them accomplish something or have, like, a great breakthrough. And I'm like, oh, shoot, like, why can't that happen to me? Like, oh, my gosh. And the thing about that is I think it's too important to remember, like, sometimes with the past um, because that's just what I'm seeing right then is, Besides that, like, I've had so many other wonderful moments of, like, encounters of Jesus or encounters in my life, so many triumphs and stuff. And sometimes I can, like, summarize it all to a single moment when I see someone having a great triumph. And be like, wow, I've, I've never done anything as great as that. Or I've never, um, yeah. I think my, I'm going to be honest, one of my biggest things um, I struggle with and I've worked through a lot is, like, I think with, like, obviously, like, comparison in the sense of, like, looks. For some reason, it's always been a thing of like, oh, shoot, attractive Catholic people. That's always a thing. Like, I, they're just so much better than I am. Like, blah, blah. It's all those lies that have, like, come from something else from when I was, like, younger. Um, and just trying to, like, you know, like, look past that. And so my whole thing was, like, being, like, the older son. It was like, oh, shoot, like, it was so stupid. Like, they could be attractive and, like, super Catholic and, like, do all these great things. And I can, like, feel like I was less worthy, though, because... Um, is just other things, um, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of like my sense of like relating to the older son. With comparison, what the devil does is he tempts us to take like us at our worst and compare it with someone else at their best. Mm-hmm. 
And the reality is that we all have good and bad. We mm. all have different strengths. We all have oh, definitely the same struggles, actually. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we're, I think that people fail to realize sometimes is that we are all so much more similar than we think we are. Like, we all struggle with the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, or so many of the same, like, similar things um, when it comes to, like, insecurities and, like, other things in our life. Right. Oh, my gosh, so much. I don't remember what the quote is or there's this basic idea that you look at sinner stories and you see, like, kind of all the same things, just, like, yeah, struggling with lust, struggling with pride, struggling with whatever. And then you look at the saints, and they are all so, so different. Mm-hmm. And they are all able to glorify God in such different ways. I always, or I've most, more recently I've been comparing like St. Thomas Aquinas and Therese. Mm-hmm. Both are doctors of the church, and yet you have this Carmelite nun versus this extremely intelligent man and Mm -hmm. they both bring glory to god through their wisdom but it's just a different kind and yeah we all have to reconcile with that that god has given us different gifts and that is good 100 percent and I um so I was actually given a talk yesterday at a confirmation retreat in Kearney. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I um it was yeah so these juniors in high school at Kearney Catholic and Kearney High and other schools in the area, um and so they had me and some other people like Scotty Sullivan and some people like that went to go give a talk, um and just like help with this retreat lead small groups and my talk was about sainthood, and so my main point is and I've heard it before so I kind of just copied it is that, uh you have you have two different types of saints like saints that are like Saint Augustine who were like the worst person in the world, and then it had, like, this mass conversion, you know? And then you have, like, St. Like, Teresa Lisu, who, like, always wanted to be a nun since she was, like, two or something. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm just in the middle. Like, I, I haven't had, like, a mass conversion story, and I haven't wanted to be, like, a priest since I was younger. So I was like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And um, my whole thing was just, like, sainthood is so different for all of us. Like, um, and also it's, like, more, it could be, like, sooner than we believe because um, we're all going through different things, and it's, like, how do we go through those different things? But mm-hmm. my main point I tried to make with these students was um, is that some of them just didn't believe it, but, like, they are all so much more capable of things. Like, they are capable of so much more than they believe, and they all have a certain gift. Like, I asked some of them, I was like, what's something you have to bring to the table in terms of gifts? And they are like, I don't know, nothing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, you got to be kinder to yourself than that. Like, whether you're, like, the you know, like, you're the friend who, like, hears everyone's, like, problems and you, you're the shoulder to cry on or, like, um, you're the person who just gets things done, maybe. And you're the person who might be holding your family together. You might be the person um, who is, like, going through, like, severe points of depression and no one knows about it. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much more that's, like, on the inside of people that no one really knows about. And yeah. in a way, sometimes it's just, like, battling our demons that we have within us or just, like, the ways of devils. Like, that's just, like, a gift of itself. Right. Being it's... able to come out of it or just continue to have faith. Yeah, it's the difference between, like, red martyrdom actually going and sacrificing your life for the faith and this white martyrdom, which is, like, dying to self every day. Yeah, just listening to you talk about the saints and hearing you say, like, you know, he takes some of us sooner than others um, reminded me that you've kind of had to ponder a lot of that, or it's possible you've had to ponder a lot of that. Yeah. So, like, how about you tell me and, like, everyone listening um kind of 
what happened in your life like yeah when you were starting out college yeah so um for it's always something that like I feel like most people who like know me it's something they know about because it's something I always like I bring up once in a while if it's like a joke or kind of whatever but yeah you definitely joke about oh it I definitely do it, it, humor is my way of coping and it's sometimes it's it's a double-edged sword but mm-hmm. anyways so um my freshman year of college um it was like in the midst of COVID and everything going on so it was 2020 um August of 2020 it was literally our very first day of college very first day and I went to my first zoom class and then I called for my mom who works with my doctor and um, for context, there were some other things going on beforehand that I had to do some tests about and stuff. Um, and like for like these like lumps in my neck and in my like kind of around like my chest. And so I got called into the doctor and they told me I had cancer, um, being like, you have cancer. And they were like super to the point about it. And there was like stage two, which Hodgkin's, Hodgkin's lymphoma, but still, I had like no idea what that meant. And so I literally was just like, shoot, what am I going to do for school? Like it's a whole thing. Like. Um, obviously you hear those things like you associate with death and stuff right away. Cause you hear the word cancer and you're like, oh, that's the thing that people like die of. And I was like, oh shoot, what if I die of this? And, um, I literally was just like, I was in like a math zoom like an hour ago. What's going on? <laughs> um, and so, uh, do you just want me to like talk about what happened? And yeah. so yeah, basically at the, just that day, um, what happened is I, um, you know, doctor came in. He was like, okay, Aaron, it's, it's cancer. I'm sorry. And I was like, oh my goodness. And my, the first thing I was, yeah, I was like, shoot, what am I going to do about school? And then I looked at my mom right away. I didn't even like tear up or anything like that. I just want to make sure my mom was okay. Um, cause she worked with my doctor and she had in a sense that something might've been going on, but she, luckily she got to be there cause she literally worked there. And, um, she just started to like, you know, cry and sob which like makes sense any mother would do that especially when like I'm the baby of my family so my mom and I are really close and so I for right away I was like it's gonna be okay mom like I was like we're gonna be fine like we'll get past this it's okay it's just I, in my head I was like it's just cancer and it's okay and I didn't really know what it was meaning when I was saying that but I just wanted to make sure she was okay because um that's kind of been a thing I've had to kind of do within my family but and then um I was still like I wasn't crying yet and then the doctor, his name is Dr. Fisher, wonderful man. He's just like close to my mother and me, like just like a family doctor. Mm-hmm. And he said, he's like, I know Aaron. I, um, he said, I prayed about this. I, I, I cried for you and I just, I'm so sorry. And he started crying as well. And I had never seen a doctor cry. And some people would be like, that's unprofessional of him, but he just knew us so well. And so I, I don't blame him at all. And, um, once I saw the doctor crying, I was like, I'm die. That's it. And I started like sobbing. And so we had this really like authentic and real moment of just like me and my mom, this doctor we knew just like crying in a room together, kind of in silence about, um, this new brought in, like, I want to call it tragedy, just this new challenge. And so, yeah. And so afterwards, um, they're like, okay, I, I still wasn't the mindset of like, okay, we gotta, we gotta get to this. We gotta get on it. And so they were going to like do an x-ray of my, my chest and my like neck and everything. And so the, the doctor left and my mom left. And so they both were getting things ready. And so I was left alone in the room for like five minutes. And it was just so silent. And um, I remember I was like, huh. I was like, I have cancer. I was like, but I was like, what does that mean? And the first thing I thought of, I was just like, God, like, why? I was like, it's my first day of college. I've, it's we're, we're going through COVID right now. Like, give me a break. 
just kind of fast forwarding is, yeah, I went through college. I decided to stay in college full time because, you know, it was COVID. So we can like do Zoom and everything like that. It was, as I say, it was the best time to have cancer and be a college student because you can do school full time and also have cancer. <laughs> it was the best of times. It was, it was the, the worst, worst of times. Literally. And so like, um, yeah, I went, I went through chemotherapy and all that fun stuff. Not fun stuff, but, you know, just went through chemo during college. And I remember the first time I went through chemo. Like, my first round, as I was, like, afterwards, I was super tired, but I was also, like, I got invited to a Bible study by Gabe Sander, um at Newman. And I was, like, I really want to go because I want to meet more guys at Newman and FICAP. And I was, like, also, I literally had chemotherapy today. And so I asked my dad, if, my mom and dad if I can go. They're, like, no. And I was, like, they're, like, you're not driving yourself. And I was, like, okay, but what if I go and you, like, drive me there and then you drive me back home? And my dad was so nice that he did that for me. And I was, like, Yes. And I was like, I'll let you know if I need anything. And he's like, cool. So I went and I just like was like in this Bible study, like zonked out because I was literally had so much drugs inside me that day. But um, so anyways, I just saying that is I still went through college and all that stuff. And, um, you know, after people on Newman and FICAP is I feel like it kind of went through a sense of no one really knowing who I was that much. Except for like pious people to like everybody just knowing this part about me. It's like vulnerable, intimate part about me. That was like hard. So the way the story goes for me that year is, like, I was like, huh, that, like, it was enough is, it was, like, like um, late October, I got a call from my friend, um, his name was Riker, and um, we were good friends because of high school, we did a lot of, like, theater, choir, band, all this, all of it together, and uh, he was a close friend to me, like, I, if I were to get married, like, that year soon, I, he would have 100% been at my wedding, um, he would have been my groomsmen probably, like, we were just pretty close, um, I hadn't talked to him a ton because, you know, college is busy and stuff, but he called me and he obviously had heard about my cancer and stuff. He goes, he calls me, he goes, Aaron, guess what? And I was like, what's, what's up? And he was like, I have cancer too. And I was like, well, hi, a long time, no speak to you too. <laughs> but I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I, um, I've been having these pains in my head and I got diagnosed, um, with like the, si- like something with like my sinuses. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and it's called, he said it's called rhabdomy sarcoma. And we literally had like, I was living in Chick-fil-A when I got this call. And um, we had like the longest talk that night. And we were like, we, were, we had jokes and stuff that were like, ah, twinsies, oh my gosh, because humor. But also like, how bizarre out of two people from the same high school and two like similar, like in the same friend group basically to like, both have a cancer diagnosis in the same like span of like three months. Like, mm-hmm. what? God, like God, what are you doing? And... So I talked to him for about two hours and I was giving him tips about how to go through it and just the beginning stages of just not knowing anything, the confusion um, and all of that. And um, I remember afterwards, I was just like, and I learned, you know, I got the sense that his was, you know, like much more complicated than mine was. Mine was just Hodgkin's lymphoma. I say just like it's like, even though it's like not cancer, but no, it is. Um, but his was just more complicated and I knew that. And so I just remember, I like stopped for a second. I like, I was in my car with this Chick-fil-A and I like prayed for a little bit. And I was like, God, like, what are you doing? Like, this makes no sense. And so I was like, please, over any cost, just protect him. And I remember this moment too. I was just like, he was just so good. I, I very much related to him. Like we were so similar in our, like how we went about life and stuff. And I was like, just please protect him at all costs. God, like, please just like such a plea for him. But the way the story goes is, um, I don't know, just like going through the rest of that semester and going to the next is, so yeah, we learned that it was like, his might've been like more towards like the higher stages. 
um, and that was harder, but it seemed like things were doing okay. Unfortunately, I got COVID and stuff during his, so it was like really hard for him. Um, and I remember him having to talk about how it's like to shave your head and what it looks like. And I was like, I was like, honestly, it's kind of nice because like you, the showers are a little bit easier. Like you don't have to worry about your hair and stuff. <laughs> I loved my hair, but it was so easy. Yeah. Shaving, shaving the head. Okay, shaving my hair sucked, but afterwards I was like, no, oh, this isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much that happened that year. With Riker, did you guys ever like talk about? Um... I know you mentioned like. that you both, like, wanted to be cancer-free. Mm-hmm. And that eventually, like, mm-hmm. that happened. Did so, you guys ever talk about... Yeah, so we um we made a pact with each other that we were both going to become cancer-free. When he got diagnosed, I said to him, I was like, don't worry. I was like, we're going to be okay. And I think I even prayed of him, too, over the phone. But I was like, I promise you we're both going to get out of this alive. Like, we're going to be fine. Um, And then we made a... We made a deal that after we were both cancer-free, we are going to go on a big trip of some sort. We are going to go somewhere together. I think he said he wanted to go to San Antonio because we went on a choir trip there one time. And it was yeah. so fun. And I was like, that would be the best. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I said, I said, we, uh, that's, that's what we're going to do. Um, it got basically towards March and Riker called some of us to come meet up him at his house, some friends. And he basically told us that it was, like, in for the worst. And he was doing pretty good, but it just kind of made a turn for the worst, and it spread to his brain. It's a very long word type of cancer. I can't even name it. It started with an L, I think. But um, And he said, uh, yeah, that they had given probably, like, three to six months to live. And that was just so heartbreaking. I was so pissed about it. I was so upset at God for the two. I was like, God, like, you know how much I've been praying for him and how much I've been, like, trying to sacrifice for him. And at this point in my story, I was cancer-free, actually. I became, I went to remission in January, so th- praise God for that. But um, I, uh, you know, I was just so upset to hear that. But I was still like, you're going to be okay. We'll be fine. San Antonio trip will happen. It'll be okay. Like, God will come through. And um, so the thing about it is, at the time, I thought that God didn't come through at all. He just didn't. Because Riker ended up passing away on, um, he uh, he passed away on April 22nd of 2021. Um, and I was alone when I heard the news. I was like doing a homework assignment and none of my friends were with me. I turned my phone off actually and then I realized I had all these calls. So I was just so upset that God just didn't come through at this point. Um, so the way that week went afterwards is I, uh, I got called by his mother, Stephanie, who's a wonderful woman of Christ. Um, she asked me to be a pallbearer for the funeral and I was like, wow, I've never been a pallbearer. Like, I was like, that's just so weird, but I was like, okay. And then one thing I do is I, uh, one way I cope is with poetry. And I wrote a poem in his honor that is posted on, like my little poetry page and I think somehow she got a hold of it and I got asked to, uh, read it at the rosary the night before the funeral. I was going to read it, and she marked it as it being the eulogy, which was just like, what? It, that was just so wild to me. Yeah. Um, and I read it. I read the whole thing last, that night, um, and it was it was a really beautiful rosary service. I mean, you were there in the funeral. It was like one yes. of the best things ever. Um, yeah. Most beautiful things I've ever seen and been a part of. Um, and I remember the day of the funeral... After we, I was pallbearers with this friend of ours named Thomas O'Donnell, and he was like Riker's like best friend from high school and other things. And 
um, my mom said I should try and sit by him because, you know, she knew it was might have been hard for him. And she's like, make sure he's drinking water and stuff because I, you know, I'm trying to just take care of friends, even though it was hard at the time. And at the very end of the service towards the end, they sing, like, this, like, right song of, like, send off almost. I don't even know what it's called, but... Um, and I just remember him being like, no, not this song. And he started sobbing just uncontrollably. And, uh, and he grabbed me. I, I grabbed him actually. And I just like held him and he literally just sobbed on my shoulder. Um, so and it was like so much and it was out loud and everyone could hear it and stuff like that. But it like, we didn't care. It was like so hard to see a friend we knew so well die of something so hard. And um, I was just remembering, like, I didn't even know what to say. I was like, it's okay. Like, it's okay. It, I mean, it has to be, right? And uh, I know God needed me there in that moment to help some of my friends. Um, to help whether it was Paul Baring or just hear people out or something. Because the thing about it is when you have a similarity that's cancer with someone else like you relate like no other in a way it's such a similar i'm sorry it's such an odd bizarre thing to relate on and so i think god really needed me to go through that in a way so i can help him Riker, in whatever way and and i said earlier that i was so pissed at god it was like wow he didn't come through but the thing is he really did but in just such a different way i wasn't prepared for I think anyone who kind of went through that and family, friends, or whatever, learned so much about themselves. A community was brought together in such a great way. I, and I, I had learned so much about my strengths and how much I can tolerate and just how I can be there for others. It made me consider the priesthood for a second, fun fact, um, just with that time. I didn't know that. Yeah, and not a lot of people do. Because I, I think in the sense that I was there, I, I just had so many conversations with people and I was there for so many others. And I just remember someone said to me, they're like, wow, you're really good at this you thought about like priests and stuff and I was like oh my gosh and so I did actually I called Father Mills and discernment's a whole other story so that's right, another right, thing right. but um yeah, that is interesting interesting thing about this is that this all all of this still occurred and it was still within the freshman year all in that freshman year of college and uh oh boy there was so much in the sense of like you know you talk about being Catholic in college how it's hard and um the thing about it is, is if it weren't for my faith if it weren't for like my, my Catholic faith and just everything with it, whether it was masses, whether it was just having priests and spiritual directions and stuff like, I don't even know where I'd be today, especially during that year. Um, and it's interesting because the times we turn away the most from faith are the times we need it the most. Like we absolutely need it. And I wanted to turn away, but I needed it more than anything. It was like, I, I so much had been taken away felt like and it was like my only thing to hold on to and the thing yeah. is is when it's your only thing to hold on to at times it's like the most fulfilling mm-hmm. and so I guess I don't know I just I encourage anyone who's like listening and just anyone in general is that like you know as much as it sucks as hard as it is God's plan truly is working um, and it just may not be in the way you believe it may be not in the way you want. And I know some people are going to be like, well, like, yeah, how, like, how is God's plan having, like, a 19-year-old person die? I I don't know. Yeah. But who says that we're supposed to know all of it? His, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways. 100%. The um, Lord gives, the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah, so uh, yeah. 
in a way for everything from that year I'm, I'm like thankful for it though because like really helped me with terms of like empathy and just seeing others for where they're at and just that we all have things we're going through um but mm-hmm. but I just I don't know I can't even saying this but yeah I'm just praise God for just experiences that can change your life in such a unique way thank you for sharing all of that i i know that was probably hard to like every time i bring up painful memories it's just hard to relive even if there has been healing <laughs> yeah for those of you who can't see we're definitely tearing up a little in here <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do have a couple of thoughts when you were talking about how much you like prayed for Riker. i also thought back to like yeah i was i was praying for healing for him like so much and we even put on that whole benefit concert because Caitlin was like we want to send him we want to send him to Lourdes and then everything just like escalated and that wasn't gonna happen then when you talked about Thomas it reminded me of Christopher West talking about his sister passing away and he was like in the hospital with her Mm -hmm. I can't remember what she died of but he was just like holding her hand and one minute she was alive and then she took her last breath and immediately just like grief hit him and just like this cry from his heart because like we weren't we're not supposed to die like that wasn't the original plan Mm -mm. a question that I wanted to ask you that you've mostly answered but just like now looking back on all of this of like your cancer and where you were at with God and then being there for Riker like looking back where do you see the good in it or how do you see God how 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 was God working in that I see the way that God was working for me was God was working for me was by just like taking everything in a sense um he really wanted to challenge me before Riker I'd say too before the whole Riker stuff happened but also kind of a part of it because I was so involved. Like I was so putting my identity and like wanting to do things at UNL and wanting to maybe like meet new people or try different things or like other things. So I got like starting even with COVID, I had all the basic things like all my high school activities taken away my graduation. Well, got it, but like not really. And then just interactions and everything. Like I had all of it just stripped away from me or I had no choice but to rely on God. And so <laughs> that really, that really bonded us. Um, and I think, too, is uh, with Riker dying and being there for all of that and just seeing it from my perspective and just, like, I feel like I was just so involved with all of it um, is I think God really just wanted to call me just to, like, that we are called to love at all costs and receive love as well because I think it taught me that I needed to receive because I just wanted to give and give and give to myself. But God was like, Aaron, I need you to... I need you to receive the, from others as well. Because mm. I love to give so much of myself. And I don't like to say it, but I don't like to receive as much. Not like I don't like receiving, it's just hard for me. But I look at all of it and I'm, I'm thankful just because, yeah, it just taught me a lot about myself and how ways I could still be stronger. Mm. Um, yeah. What is some advice you could, like, give to encourage people just, like, based on your story? 
some advice I'd give to someone is invite God into your struggles as much as you can. Like embrace how much things suck. Like you have to embrace it in order to be like, yeah, like not be like, this is the best thing in the world. No, it's hard. But bring God into whatever's going on and just see how he can work through it. And almost just like, uh, really just, you have to accept your circumstance in order to go from there. Because if you're so beat down from your circumstance, being like, wow, because of this, I won't be able to do this, then that you're not going to get yourself anywhere. Like, you have to be able to go above your circumstance and work from there. And sometimes your days, that's not going to be much. Maybe it's going to be just like, you got out of bed and you just took care of yourself for the day. That's okay. Um, but I, yeah, I'd invite anyone just to know that there's, they have, there's so much more than they are capable of mm. and that they're also so much more than their circumstances. Just because I had cancer, like that, that wasn't me that I, even though it's a big part of like my story from that year, that wasn't me at the time. Like I was still Aaron just because someone might be struggling with depression. You're not like this person, the depressed person. Like it's just a part that something you're struggling with, you're dealing with. So it was interesting because you have to set aside your struggles from who you really are. So, like, I'd invite people to do that. Yeah, something I've been reflecting on is that, like, these trials that we're given are, like, an invitation to trust. Mm -hmm. Because even though looking back you see how trust. he was working in that, you didn't know it at the time. Like mm -hmm. you said at the time, you were pissed and confused. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it really is just like you think of Christ on the cross who's been stripped of everything mm -hmm. and has his arms outstretched and he just has to like, he, he cries out like, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Mm -hmm. And yet he abandons himself and trusts in the Father and he does it for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Why don't you close us in a prayer? Sure. Um. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, just thank you for the gift of just meeting with Grace today and our interactions through this podcast. Um, I thank you for all the gifts that Grace bestows onto the world through her podcast and just, yeah, that others may receive it well and just use it to reflect on their own lives. Um, Lord, I ask that, you know, as we are human and we're still finding ways that we are grieving and enduring our struggles, I ask that you have us not make light of our struggles, but embrace them and bring them closer to you. Use them as a form to learn how to trust you. In the end, Lord, you are our only hope. You are our reasoning, Lord. Help us to have the strength to fully trust you. Through all these things we pray. Amen. Amen. St. Clair of Assisi. Pray for us. St. Luke. Pray for us. Our Father, Father Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Nice. Aaron, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank really you for having me. Sharing your heart with that me. That was really nice. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure to follow Catholic in College on social media and subscribe to the podcast to get notified about new episodes. Finally, remember that you're never alone in your faith. Until next episode, let's all keep striving to be open, be present, and be loved.